Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next on the show is real estate lawyer and broker owner from REMAX Empire Realty, Ricky Rathor. Ricky, welcome back. Thanks, guys, for having me again. Ricky, we, we've had... I mean, we get these questions all the time, but we just recently had uh, one of our callers ask us, is it okay for me to ask the seller if there have been any deaths on the premises? Do you get that a lot, and, and how do you oh, handle yeah. it? Sorry about that. Absolutely, Asif. So it's, it's one of the more common type of questions that, that people ask me in my capacity as a lawyer. Ricky, what are the sort of questions I should be asking the seller? And, and my answer is, is get whatever you can out of them. Because the default legal presumption is buyer beware. Satisfy yourself what you're buying before you enter into a contract and, and agree to commit to something. So ask as many questions as you want in that sort of situation. It just becomes a little bit different when you're working with representation. If you've got a realtor working for you, either a salesperson or a broker, then that salesperson or broker may have to communicate with the other registrant. They can't directly communicate with the client. But if it's a private transaction where you're dealing directly with the seller, absolutely ask away. Exactly. And, and part of our due diligence and, and our responsibilities as realtors is to make sure that we know these or, or ask these questions uh, and know the answers to these questions. What if the other party doesn't know? What if uh, it's an out-of-town seller and they've listed a property with an agent? The agent absolutely has no clue what's happened in this house. What's the, the recourse if you find something out later? So, Asif, there's a, there's a very basic standard when you're dealing with clients and customers in real estate. And, and, and the default presumption is, is that the realtor has to take reasonable efforts to uncover and disclose material facts that are known or ought to have been known, right? And so if, for example, you're going through a listing presentation, you're walking through the property, sometimes it's the seller is the third or fourth you know, occupant of the home. They might not even realize, but realtors are trained a certain way to kind of look at the property and not give a home inspection per se or give a, you know, a physical audit of the property, but at least, hey, there's a pipeline here that's protruding from the from the north wall and the foundation, what was this for? Was it, you know, something related to an oil, oil tank or, a, or, or, or something to that effect? So in doing our own due diligence, we don't get paid to, to, to just list the property. We have a responsibility to our own client, the seller and the buyer when representing a buyer, to, to uncover these material facts and disclose them. So that's the standard. Now, as far as the seller not knowing, everything boils down to the contract. So if it's in the agreement and you've got these sort of representations and warranties, you as a seller have to understand what you're agreeing to when you sign off on that agreement. Because if it says, for example, the seller is not aware of any sort of issues pertaining to, you know, fire or water penetration or cracks in the foundation or asbestos or UFI or what have you, and if you don't know, you may want to strike those provisions from the agreement. Well, and that's a great point because one of the clauses that's pretty much standard is that the seller warrants and represents that there has been no water seepage in the basement or, or in the attic. Now, if, if the house is 60 years old and you've been living there for 10, how do you know what happened in the previous 50 years? So 
you know, you look at that and say, well, as long as I've owned the house, there hasn't been. But what happened before, you know, does it matter if it's been fixed? What are, what are the implications around that clause? So again, it all comes down to the negotiation of the contract. And ultimately, you do not want to commit to a representation or warranty that you cannot actually commit to because you have lack of knowledge. So you may want to qualify the provision and say, you know, during the time I've owned the property, I can warrant that, but I cannot warrant anything previously, right? So you can go in and you can, you can kind of modify the clauses so that it's an open conversation and negotiation. One of, the, one of the biggest problems and challenges we face in our profession is that we send in an offer with our quote-unquote standard clauses, and then they come back from the selling side, and they're, you know, a lot of the, the clauses are chopped up or crossed out. And my clients will sometimes freak out. They'll say, hey, they crossed out no death, murder, suicide, and they crossed out the whole clause. That means, hey, there must be death, murder, suicide, asbestos, UP, and everything else. And that's not the reality. The reality is, is that they've crossed it out. They're not saying that there is UFI or asbestos or that's another suicide. By crossing it out from the agreement, you're basically saying, we're not going to talk about it. And so that's where the agent has to go in and really probe and ask those questions. You know, Google is great today because you can Google, Google most property addresses and, and most tabloids that are reported on an issue, it'll pop up right away. And so for most brokerages, the standard today is to, to do a cursory review on Google. You can walk into a police station, local precinct, and find out what's happening as far as the property is concerned. There's a lot of avenues to collect information so that your client can make more informed consent. But ultimately, it goes down to your contract and what's represented in it. Now, Ricky, you said ask away. So what are those basic questions then that buyers should ask? So, again, it comes down to what's important to the buyer. Some of my buyers don't care about the fact that there's been a death, murder, suicide. Some clients are very, very particular. Other clients have, you know, concerns with the the local community, neighborhood conditions. They don't want to do their own due diligence. They'd rather have the seller on the hook for these sorts of representations. I've seen clauses that go as far as saying that the seller is not aware of any neighborhood conditions that would affect the value of the property. Now, that's a very blanket statement. And you as a seller would not want to agree to something like that. But from the buyer's perspective, asking questions about the age of the home, the age of the roof, the age of the furnace, whether it's a rental or not, if there's been any death, murder, suicide, you know, how are the neighbors, you know. So, uh, again, the standard is to do your own due diligence, but sometimes it's good to ask these sorts of questions. And what's interesting is when I'm acting in my capacity as a broker, if somebody picks up the phone and I'm the listing salesperson, they call me and point blank ask me, Ricky, is there a death, murder, suicide? If I'm aware of the fact that there's a death, murder, suicide in the property, I need to be very careful with how I answer this question because in representing the seller, I have to protect the seller's best interest. I'm not at liberty to disclose these sorts of confidences. And so where most salespeople will outright say no, which can become highly problematic because we're held to a code of ethics and a certain standard and we cannot make misrepresentations, we can't falsely mislead somebody, the standard should be in a situation like that, that either you respectfully decline to answer or that you need to seek instructions from the client and call back. And now you can end up in a funny situation where the client says, well, Ricky, I don't want you to disclose that. So there's also certain thresholds. There's certain things we're legally obligated to disclose, i.e. invisible defects, which are commonly referred to as latent defects, which render the property unsafe for occupancy or uninhabitable, versus patent defects which need not be disclosed. The, 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 the fault presumption relates to patent defects. So if, if a reasonable inspection can uncover an issue, the seller doesn't have to hold your hand and say, these are the problems with my property that you could easily uncover. Whereas if it's something hidden in nature or latent, the seller's legally obligated to disclose those things 
if they render the property unsafe for occupancy or uninhabitable. So you as a registrant, too, have to carefully qualify the listing and see what sort of representations and warranties you will be making on behalf of the client. And more importantly, if you have instructions to, to communicate information like that in writing. Now, now Ricky, there, the whole death-murder-suicide thing, there, I, I get the murder-suicide. What about a natural death? Like someone just passed away naturally. Is that going to, you know create havoc around the transaction itself because you've got to, you've got to see this happening a lot. I I think for most buyers, it's a distinction without a difference. They just want to know if somebody's passed on in the property or not. Some people have religious or superstitious reasons for this. These are what we call stigmas, right? These are Mm -hmm. mental stigmas. And the only real way that these dissipate is that time takes its toll. You know, families move in, families move out, families move in and nobody's died. Nobody's committed suicide. And everybody says, well, the property's safe. So there's really no, there's no, there's no prescribed amount of time. It's more so just what the community perception is and what the local stigmas are and how, how far they go, right? And so, again, it, it comes down to what the buyer is looking for from the seller and the property, and more particularly if the property has those sorts of stigmas or issues, and whether the buyer is prepared to proceed with those or not. Sometimes I'll look at an MLS listing and it'll say on the face of the listing that there's a death, murder, murder, suicide right on the listing. Well, that's now public information. Once it's on MLS, you can't take it down. And so even with the, the kinds of remarks that salespeople put on the listing, you have to be very careful to have written instructions from your clients to disclose these sorts of things. And that's the main thing. Like we have to make sure that you're acting in the client's best interest, whether it's a, for the buyer or the seller, because you know quite right. often you see call listing agent for details, and you know that will probably ease the uh, the announcement uh, if you want to call it that. Absolutely, and, and you know, if one of the one of the funny parts is is that sometimes I'll have realtors call me on behalf of their client. Well, if your client is my client, you're not my client as a realtor. I represent your client's interests and not your interests. Right. And so when lawyers give legal advice, you have to first ask who is the lawyer representing. Lawyers will make that very clear in the beginning that they represent the client. So if a realtor calls me because there's a problem that pertains to the realtor disclosing certain information or the realtor, you know, mixing something up, well, that's the realtor's problem. My job in in my capacity as a real estate lawyer is to really protect and enforce my client's rights and obligations. So you want to be very careful. As a realtor, if your client says, Hey, I don't want to disclose the fact that I've removed load bearing walls and the property is going to collapse on itself. You as a realtor have to be very careful because you may want to walk away from a listing where you're not authorized to disclose that information. You're legally obligated to do so. Now, Ricky, you said that, uh, you know, buyers should do their homework. Google is your friend that you could walk into a police station and ask about that property. Is it as easy as that, that uh, a buyer could easily walk into a police station and simply ask questions about a certain property? Well, what's great is we have freedom of information now, right? And so certain applications can be made. They're not very expensive to do so. And you can go in and uncover and, and these sorts of facts from the, from the local police station. It is possible. So at the end of the day, the, the, the issue today, Tina and Asif, is that people are always in a hurry. These transactions are, are done very quickly. And I think that's where people kind of, you know, miss things. And there's certain gaps created in the contract and the representations and warranties that are created because people just want to do things so quickly. Those days are gone where you would, you know, go into a property with six true copies of the same contract and you would go back and forth and back and forth and everybody would leave with a signed copy in hand. Now it's, you know, over the internet, over the phone, over the fax, and things are done so quickly that most sellers, their position is, is, hey, if you want these sort of things, we have other offers, we're going to go with the easier offer where we don't have to deal with these sorts of issues. So you've got these balances, you've got this balancing act, rather, 
you know, where if you go too far with certain due diligences, clients get apprehensive about it. Tellers get apprehensive about it. And then at the same time, if you don't do certain due diligences, well, then it becomes a problem. And and Ricky, with the with the actual due diligence aspect, I mean, one of the easiest ways is to talk to the neighbors. And the neighbors want to talk. And they may not know the whole story, but you'll get some sort of version of what's happened in that property from, from the neighbors themselves. You're 100% right. My advice is always to qualify the information. Because you know what? Sometimes the neighbor wants to buy the house. The neighbor wants their daughter to move in. They're going to tell you all kinds of things that may or may not be correct in that situation because they have no interest in you in their in their neighbor disposing of the home. They've got an active interest in the property. So everything you take with a grain of salt, you do your own due diligences, get the property inspected, make sure you're happy, and then sign off. Great point, Ricky. You really do have to qualify that because they could have different motivations. They may not want you to be their neighbor. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we're not privy to. But if people want more information about the laws pertaining to real estate, how can they contact you? Absolutely. I'm at 416-731-8478. Awesome. Thanks, Ricky. We look forward to chatting with you again next month. Anytime, guys. We'll talk soon. And just keep in mind that each situation is unique. You've got to qualify it. So give me a call if you need any help. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Stay with us. More with Asif Khan and REMAX Prime Properties when we come back. 